Do you ever get tired of your boring day-to-day life? I know I do. I should say that I did. Then I decided to do something about it. You see, conventional wisdom says that you live your life and then your parents die and they give you whatever they have left over, an inheritance. I'm sorry, that just wasn't good enough for me. So I decided to do something about it, you know? I want my money right now. So one day, I walked right up to my dad, and I said to him, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. That's what my youngest son said to me. I want what's coming to me right now. All I could think of that moment was, I'd like to give you what's coming to you right now. I brought him into this world, and I can make another one just like him. But he's my son, and I love him. So I gave him his money and told him if he could have a better life on his own without me, so be it. He packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, I was out of there. Kissed this boring place goodbye. I had places to go, people to see. So the first thing I did was, my son got lost. I love him, but he's no Magellan. I heard he had to stop for directions at least four times before he even made it out of our hometown. You know what? No, not four, okay? It was three. And and one of them wasn't even my fault. I, I couldn't understand what the guy was saying. I was just like, okay, thank you. And besides that... The only reason I can't follow directions is because somebody never taught me to follow directions. Don't go there. Uh, Okay, look. The point is, I got out of there, and I started to live it up. I mean, I had more friends than I knew what to do with. I I was eating like a king. I had the finest clothes, and the ladies. (laughs) What can I say about the ladies? I can say something about the ladies. They were women, but they were not ladies. Okay, okay, you know what? Never mind. The, the thing was, life was good. Until? Until my son's money ran out around the same time a recession hit our country. There, there wasn't any work to be found. I, I mean, I tried. I really tried. But there just weren't jobs. Eventually, I found a job. It wasn't bad. It was a manager's position. It was an associate position at the... Okay, I was a bacon preparation assistant, which means fed pigs. I hated that job. I didn't pay much. I, I didn't have enough money for a place to live. There were many days I didn't even have enough money to eat. Sometimes I was so hungry, I would gladly have eaten the disgusting scraps I was feeding the pigs, but I couldn't. They wouldn't let me. So with hunger pains as a constant reminder of how I'd squandered everything my father had given me. I lived in agony day after day after day after day. I'd watch and I'd wait for my son to come home, and my heart would ache as only a parent's heart could for his own child. But hear me on this. I never gave up on him. I never gave up on him. I knew that it would happen one day. One day it hit me. One day I realized that The lowliest of my father's workers lived better than I did. At at least they had a place to live and food to eat, and I didn't have either one of those things. So I wondered, what if he never comes to his senses? What if he lets pride just get in the way? No, no. I will see him again, again and again. These thoughts ran through my head as I began my journey back to my father's house. I knew what I would do. Um... There's no way that I would accept a handout, and and I couldn't expect him to take me back as his son. So I would ask him to hire me on as a worker. I mean, maybe he would do that. Just maybe. 
maybe today will be the day that my son will come home. That's what I would say every morning when I'd wake up. Maybe today will be the day that I would see him off in the distance as he makes his way back home. Home. That word means so many things. Comfort, care, security, love, home. I couldn't believe I was just a few hundred yards away from it. It was a beautiful day. I was sitting on my front porch, and that's when I saw him. He stood up out of his chair. He looked in my direction. He squinted his eyes to get a better look at me. And then I began to wonder, what if he doesn't take me back? What if... What if I get to him and he just looks at me and he says, I, I told you so, I told, I told you. you so. Some of you would just roll your eyes every time I mentioned my son. But I knew he would come back. I just knew. I just knew this was a bad idea. I knew I shouldn't have done this and so I just stopped. He just stood there. I couldn't move. I couldn't just stand there so he jumped. My dad literally jumped off the porch. I'd never seen him do anything like that before. It was like he was this little kid who was excited about something. And then it hit me. He was excited about me. So you know what I did next? I, I ran. ran. My heart was pounding so fast, I just had to get to him. I'd never seen him run so fast. He was running at me with his arms stretched out wide as if to say, Welcome home! Welcome home! That's what I kept shouting to him. But I don't know if he could hear me, so I just kept shouting it over and over. All I wanted to do was just scoop him up in my arms like he was when he was like a little child. And just let him know that everything was going to be okay. And as I got closer to him, I could see tears running down his face. He was crying. Tears of joy. And you know what my son did next? I jumped. I was nervous, I was excited, and so I literally jumped. And you know what my father did? Well, I fell backwards. He's a big boy. <laughs> and then, and then he hugged me. And he embraced me like only a father can. I kept saying over and over again, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve to be called your son. My son is back. Get him some clean clothes. Uh, let's give him a meal. No, a feast. For my son will no longer live as an orphan. For all my hopes have come true. I guess it was hope. Hope that made me start that journey back home. Hope that got me through all the miles. A hope that my father would take me back and somehow I could be forgiven. Forgiven. It's all forgiven. And I will never bring it up ever again. There is no shame. There is no guilt. For my son was lost. And now he is found. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett. I'm the pastor here at Church in the Valley. And uh, we're continuing a message series called Time for a Change. And usually we don't show a clip that long. You may have thought, like, where's my popcorn? Uh, as we got started, but we wanted to show you a modern adaptation of an actual story that Jesus told uh, in the Bible in the book of Luke, and it's called The Prodigal Son. And if you've been around church a while, you may have heard that story, you may have read the story yourself, uh, but throughout the world you see uh, this story really in so many different contexts and so many different cultures, and towards the end you hear that word hope, and really that 
story is a story of hope that Jesus told people that represented God's view of them. And as we're talking about change, uh, many times you can feel kind of squirming in your seat, like, I don't want to change. I don't want to kind of get unstuck from where I am. I like doing what I'm doing. I like the way my life is going. And while that may be true, all of us are in need of help. All of us are in need of hope when we are face things that we can't face, when we encounter things that just feel like we keep hitting our head against the wall. And so as we talk about change, we really are also talking about hope. And that is because God has done what is necessary for us to experience life change. And if you're here and you've been walking with God for a while, you may recognize that you've experienced that kind of change. You can look back on where you've been and where you are and you can see you've actually made a lot of changes in your life. Uh, you may be here and you're in the midst of trying to figure out how you can change and you're not sure exactly how God fits into that. Well, this morning we really want to highlight this story and talk about how God's change for our life can bring hope as we really try to cooperate with him. Uh, in this story, uh, the good news is you see really God's role in, in changing us. And that's actually what we talked about last week. And as we celebrated Easter together as a church, we looked at the power that we have from God to change. And as you look at Jesus and the fact that he lived his life to please God, he died on the cross to please God. God raised him from the dead on that third day. And that's what we celebrated last week. The fact that God sent his son for us so that we actually could find a way to change. It goes through Jesus Christ. It goes through his way. And as he rose from the dead, you see the power displayed. And it's the same power that we can experience as we cooperate with God. And here in this story, you see that same initiative that God, just like the father, came to us just like he did his son and the things that we've done and the things that we've chosen uh, we always have that 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 tension in our life where we decide you know what i want what i want right now whether it's my own goals my own dreams my own agenda that's like us taking our own, own inheritance we want life to the fullest right now we want to do it our own way and then there's that tension when we realize like you know what this this thing i have this this inheritance this treasure this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I thought. And the hope that I thought this would bring, I'm actually feeling hopeless. And then again and again, God brings us to the point, as we do like His way, we realize like this, this thing that we build in ourselves and the things that we trust in ourselves, this doesn't last. It's squandered. And the hope comes as we again and again realize that we can't do it alone. And so no matter where you are, what we're talking about today is the fact that if you want to experience this kind of change, you play a role, but it's not a role that you can play alone. You cannot change your life by yourself. And that may make complete sense to you because all of us try to change ourselves. We try to kind of make ourselves better, beat ourselves up, hope in other things, but to experience the lasting change God wants to bring, we actually have to look to Him. He is where the hope comes. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about if God and His part has taken initiative to help us, and He sent Jesus so that we may experience new life. And despite us going our own way, just like the Father, He comes to us and He has open arms 
to receive us. What are the things that we need to do to experience this change? God has done His part to pursue us. God has done His part in sending us Jesus. So what's our part? What's my part in the change process? I want to picture just in your, your own life right now, a lot of times as we talk about change and we think about change, it's often in the context of where is life under the most pressure? So I just want you to think to yourselves, inside your head, where are you experiencing the most pressure in your life? Is it your relationships? Is it at work? Is it in your finances? Is it in your future? Is it in your past? Is it in the stress that you're facing? Where are you feeling the pressure? Just take a moment just to think through that. Where am I feeling the pressure? And oftentimes, as you nail where that heat is coming from, where that pressure is, this is the place where God wants to begin to change you. And so if you're here and you think, you know what, I don't think I need to change. I don't think I need to be doing anything different. I don't think that I really need anything that God can offer me. What is most helpful at those times is to look at where the pressure is, look at where the heat has been turned up. And just like the prodigal son, oftentimes God uses the pressure and the heat for us to realize we need help outside ourselves. So if you look right now and you think in your head, you think, you know what, I don't think, I think everything's good right now. I'm good. My family's good. My situation's good. My work's good. Okay, think about when it wasn't. What was the pressure? Think about kind of the, the cycle of problems that you face. Where, where was that? And oftentimes it's there where God begins to work as we look to him to help us in the midst of the weight that we experience. And so I want to talk about not just God's part, but what do I do? And we're going to be looking at it from how did the prodigal son take steps to return home to his father, to experience the change. Uh, in the scriptures, you find that, that he had squandered everything. He'd gotten his inheritance. He had it. He lived life to his full. He'd squandered it and he had nothing left. He had no food. He had no shelter. In fact, he was just laying with the pigs, eating the slop. He had nothing. He went about it his own way and he had nothing to show for it. He had lost everything. And so what are the things that he began to do based on the pressure that he faced, based on the heat that he experienced, where God and his father could enter back in? And so let's talk about that. So here's the key ingredients for a fresh start as God wants to change us. The first thing that you learn from the prodigal son is that he woke up. And a prodigal is someone who lives extravagantly, wastefully, lives impulsively, does whatever you, they want when they want it. We all have a tendency to do that. We just want to do what pleases us in the moment, by moment, by moment. What pleases us, moment, by moment, by moment. We just go through the cycle. But it got to the point where he decided he needed to wake up. He needed to actually take inventory, look at his life, look around, and realize, you know what? This inheritance has got me sleeping with the pigs. Is this what I want the rest of my story to be? Is this what I want the rest of my life to be? And he woke up from this, this just delusion that he had, which was, enjoy your inheritance now. Live it up for the moment. He realized, I have to wake up out of this. This doesn't help me 
just has not gotten me any further into my goals. In fact, I'm further behind. I have no one and I have nothing. And so he woke up and you find this in Luke 15, 17. It's talking about the prodigal and it says, When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? So picture here. He's, he's a part of this wealthy family. He's just been given his inheritance. So he has wealth himself. And he realized that he is no better off than the servants where he lived. Now there's a key phrase in here that, I, that I really relates to me. And it says, but when he came to himself. You have those moments in your life where you're just kind of in your rut of what makes sense to you. And we all have go-to default modes. Uh, maybe we're given into anger and we just kind of lash out at people. Maybe we give in to fear and we just worry about everything. Maybe we're given into fun and we just want to just entertain ourselves. We just want to go to movies. We want to go out to eat. We want to do whatever is fun because we don't have to face anything else. And there's that point where you, you tell yourself, what am I doing? That's what the prodigal did. He came to his senses. What? Is my life happening right now? This is not what I want. This is not what I thought. And he woke up. Now what you notice in the story is he didn't blame anything on his circumstances. And this is the key to, to waking up. The problem, oftentimes in change, is not my circumstances. It's me. That's what waking up is. It's me. I need to change, not my circumstances. You know, that's very difficult. Because if you're like me, oftentimes when you're in a, in a funk in your life or when you're experiencing problems and you're experiencing just hard times, isn't it so easy to look at all the circumstances that cause that to be worse? You know, if you're, you're tight budgeting and you, you just... You don't have enough money and you think, well, if I had a better job that paid me or if my boss appreciated more and I got the bonus that I thought I was going to get or if my rent was cheaper or if my car didn't break down, I had a better car and so on and so forth. And the grocery prices and the gas don't let me talk about the gas prices. Right. You fill up and you're like taking loans out. Right. So easy to look at all the things, all the circumstances. But oftentimes the problem, it's me. I need to wake up. The circumstances may get better. They may get worse. But what am I going to do? And that's what the prodigal realized. The second thing, the prodigal shows us that you have to own up. If you want to experience the change that God wants for you, you have to own up. You have to realize that, that you need it. You don't just have to come to your senses. You have to realize that you actually need to change. You actually need help. You have to own up. The next verse, verse 18 of Luke 15, says this. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. What was the sin? Going his own way. Taking his inheritance and deciding he didn't need anybody. Taking what his, his father had saved for him for, so he could experience blessing. He took the blessing right now. And the very blessing actually became a curse. 
He owned up. He realized, I'm, I'm to blame. I left. I squandered it. I was foolish. There's some key parts of owning up, and the same is true in our own life. We have to get to the point where we realize, I cannot change myself. I cannot do it. I may be able to change my circumstances, but oftentimes I can't. But I can't change myself. And owning up involves three things. The first is, it means godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is this idea of, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that I can't get away with what I thought I was going to get away with. And we can be the victim. So for the prodigal, he, worldly sorry would have been like, I'm sorry my inheritance didn't last longer. I'm sorry that people didn't help me when I needed the help. I'm sorry that wasn't enough money. I thought my inheritance would be bigger. Now, owning up is, no, I, I blew it. And to change means, God, I need you. I can't do it by myself. I need you. Please help me. And you recognize that he is the only one, moment by moment, situation by situation, circumstance by circumstance. He's the only one. That's godly sorrow. Realizing, God, I've gone my own way. I've tried to do it myself. And again and again, realizing that. You have to go tell God, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. Forgive me for trying. I can't do it. It also means seeing the sin beneath the sins. Last week we talked about the change is not just behavior change, it's actually heart change. That's the kind of change we're talking about. When we want to do things our own way, not God's way, that's not just merely you chose, you know, a situation where you, you made a mistake. It's really, we, we have a problem at the core of us, which is sin. And the core of us is corrupted because of sin. So our intentions really aren't going to please God. Our direction can't really get us to the right destination. It's this idea of we're just, we're corrupt at the core. In the neighborhood where I just moved, uh, there's sidewalks everywhere, right? Na- that was like really deep. Neighborhoods have sidewalks. Write that one down. But what happens is, as I'm on walks, I see sidewalks that are lifted. And, you know, they're, they're coming to a peak and they're like patched in the middle and there's patched all around. And I'm having fun with my kids and I keep just asking them, like, they're young. And why do you think that sidewalk's like that? You know, and my five-year-old son's like, well, there's like an explosion. Like, no, no, no explosion. What's near it? There's a tree. I wonder what could have made that sidewalk go up. You sure it's not an explosion? No, it's the root of the tree. The roots of the tree just drive up the sidewalk. You see again and again, these sidewalks that are just totally lifted. The problem is not just the sidewalk, it's what's under it. It's the root of it. The roots of the tree are actually driving up and messing up the pavement. So oftentimes in change, when the pressure happens and the pressure is relieved, when our situation gets better, we often think, then I don't need to change. There's no more problem. 
But then another situation comes up, another relationship that has tension. Uh Uh-oh. I hope this situation gets better. And then the tension is resolved. I don't need a change. It's better. Now, while situations may change and things can get better, if you're not fixing the root, you're still going to run into those problems again and again. Here's something deep I, I learned early in my life. Is everywhere I go, there I am. Right? Everywhere I go, there I am. Owning up. I'm part of the problem. I've got roots that are destroying my life and it's sin and I need help. Owning up is realizing that, God, I need help. I need help with a new heart. I need help from the inside out. Not just my circumstances, not just my behavior. I need help. So it's really seeing that we've gone our own way. And we need to turn back and go God's. That's what owning up is. The last thing of owning up is trusting that God is the only one who can actually change me. Owning up is actually realizing that. He's the only one. There's no strategy I can come up with, no formula that I can create. He is the only one that can change me. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to change somebody in your own life? There's just something about them and you kind of want to fix it. You know, if they didn't do this, the relationship would be a lot better and you try to change them. Does that work? You, you actually can't change. Had some helpful advice right before I got married. And the advice was, you cannot change your wife. I was like, well, that's, thank you, that's really helpful. You know what? First year, great bliss. Second year, you know, if change would happen in this area, it would be a lot better. I began to think, well, I wonder if we can change this. And I began to fight this thing of I wanted to change my wife. And God bless her. She had a lot of patience with me, but I'd get irked a lot because I didn't get what I wanted. That's what happens again and again in relationships. We try to change people and it doesn't work. And we definitely can't change ourselves. So owning up is trusting that, that God's the only one. That's who we put our trust in. I can't change anybody. Only God can. Now, God can use us to help people. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week, our part in the change process. But ultimately, God brings about the change. That's what owning up is. It's realizing that our strategies that we have to try to change our coworkers, to try to change our kids, to try to change our spouses, it's futile. We recognize that we cannot change people. It comes from God himself. And the last thing the prodigal did, so he woke up, he owned up, and then he shifted his weight. The idea here is he shifted from his own way. He realized that he couldn't stand on his own foundation because what happened? Well, he was given an inheritance and he blew it. He was given a chance at independence and his independence messed up his whole life. And that's the picture 
of our predicament, every single one of us. As we are independent from God by ourselves, our life falls apart. So God's role in the change process is continually putting us in places where we have to look to Him. Because independent, outside of God, we cannot change. And that's how we shift weight. We realize that this way, by myself, does not have the answers, does not have the hope, does not bring the change. It only comes as we shift weight. This is Luke 15, 19 through 20. It says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. No longer worthy. Trust me as one of your hired servants. See the attitude there? I was wealthy for a brief moment. I had my inheritance. I was going to make a name for myself. Shifting weight. I don't even deserve to be your son. Make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be in this household anymore. Make me your servant. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, check this out, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. This is why this is one of the most beautiful stories that resonates with us. Because I am a father and I have two sons. My first instinct is, if my son blows something that I give him, I'm pretty upset. When I get chapped when there's a new toy and it lasts a day, right? But here's the picture of God himself using this story. And Jesus is showing, this is, this is our heart for you. This is God, his heart for you. Despite what you've done, despite the inheritance and the blessings that you've blown, the opportunities that were wasted, the choices that were bad, God has compassion. And He runs to us to help us. He embraces us. He welcomes us. That's why there is hope. Because when we recognize our independence, it's there that we can actually begin to turn to dependence on God. When we turn away from independence, we can find dependence on God alone. And it's a beautiful picture that you see of this father having compassion, running and embracing. But the shifting weight was with its humility. You have to wake up. You have to own up. And you shift weight. You realize that I cannot do it. And all of us, no matter where we are, continually day by day, have to do this. We have to humble ourselves before God. I've grown up in church a long time and I've heard many sermons and I've read lots of parts of the Bible and I've heard a lot of people talk about it. But every day I still have to choose. Am I going to live independently by myself doing things my own way or am I going to look to you, God, to help me moment by moment? Every day I have to surrender. That's the picture of Christianity. You make a one-time decision to turn away from your own way and your sin. But every day after that, you must choose to not go back. 
And when you do and you live life independently, you must choose again to humble yourself. God, I tried to change myself again. I tried to do it alone again. I need you. I've blown it. I don't deserve to be your son. I don't deserve to be your daughter. I need you. And that's the picture of Christianity again and again. The pull that we have to be independent. We have to always surrender to choose dependency on God and Him alone. I want to close with a passage that kind of talks about what this looks like. And this is really our role in change kind of fleshed out um, as God produces the growth in us. And this is from the book of Galatians chapter 5. And this is a picture of, of what it means to walk with God. Now, if you've been around church, you may have heard that phrase a lot. Walk with God. And if you think about it on the surface, you think, that, what does that mean? All these people say they walk with God, but I don't see Him. Like, is that a stroll? Like, what does that mean? Well, this passage is really the picture of what it means to walk with God. There's this idea that you're connecting with Him. You're walking His way. You're going about life in His way. And that's this picture of you're walking with Him. You're not doing things where you hope God is not there. You're not doing things that you hope He doesn't know. There's a thing that what you do, what you think, what you say, God is there and you welcome Him. That's walking with God. It's this idea of, I'm going to live life His way. Using the resources He's given. To connect back to him. So this passage describes that and it's talking about the fruit of the spirit. And this is really the fruit of what flows when we walk with God, when we cooperate with him. So here's the fruit that comes when we take our role to cooperate with God. This is it. it says, but the fruit of the spirit, that's what the crop, that's what flows out is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's the picture. Step with the Spirit. The change comes. And what's the change? Well, the fruits that I just read. It's the love, the joy, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. Now, if I did a brief survey and I asked, how many of you would like to change your life to experience love that you've never filled? And I asked you to raise your hand. We'd all raise our hand. How many of you would like to experience change so you experience goodness that you've never felt? And we'd all raise our hand. And gentleness, we'd keep our hand raised. Faithfulness, sure. Self-control, maybe. Right? But we want this kind of fruit. We want this stuff to grow up. That sounds awesome. Sounds like a card where it's just a beautiful picture of what it means to live life to its fullest. All this stuff flows. And then you see how. You crucify the sinful nature. So a week from Easter... The crucifixion is on our mind. This idea of the death that Jesus gave for us. As we do our part to change, it's now the death that we give back to Him. It's the death of our independence. 
It's the death of the prodigal son. We don't want to do it. We don't want to live life alone. We don't want to wander far from our Father who leads us. And so there's some components that we can do. And this is really a picture of keeping in step. I want to show a video uh, from Ian Dale. And we showed it last week. And Ian has been sharing really how he has changed since committing his life to follow Jesus. And last week he talked about God's role in that. And, and this week he's going to talk about his role in what keeping in step with the Spirit has looked like to him. Let's watch that. I tend to be very idealistic. I'm definitely a dreamer. And so one of my ongoing struggles is just wrestling with this difference between you know, the way I imagine life or want life to be uh, versus the way life actually works. You know, I believe that you know, there is a God and that God created this whole world that we all live in. Um, so ultimately it comes down to you know, how did God create this world to work and am I willing to accept his way of doing things and cooperate with him? At times I've really struggled in my attitude towards work and responsibilities. Um, I really like to work, but uh, like a lot of people in creative fields, I would much rather just work on my own stuff all the time and not have to deal with you know, a job and earning money and all these kinds of adult responsibilities. I, you know, sometimes I tend to view those responsibilities as a burden that just gets in the way of what I really want to do. For a while, my strategy was to kind of pursue shortcuts, like to look for ways that would help me to reach my ideal life of freedom faster and minimize my responsibilities along the way. Uh, you know, I had these really unrealistic goals, and then at the same time, I was trying to find an easy way to get to them. And it just it wasn't working. Uh, I, I kept finding myself, you know, bumping my head, grinding up against real life, uh, you know, particularly the reality that I needed to earn money to support myself and my wife um, and, you know, thinking ahead in the future to uh, a family as well. As I would spend time each day reading in uh, the Bible, uh, I, I got, God was gradually showing me, I guess, his version of the reality in, in regards to these things. Um, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about work. It talks about, you know, God created work. He, he invented it. And that was actually when the world was perfect. So work isn't a bad thing. And in the Proverbs, we, we see all these kinds of warnings to be diligent and work hard. And if you're just chasing fantasies and avoiding uh, working hard, you're, you're going to end up um, lacking in the end. And even in the New Testament, Paul talks about having uh, just real humble ambitions and working hard with your own hands to support yourself. I kept encountering truths like these in the Bible that really echoed what I had been experiencing in life and showed me the way that God really wanted things to go. Uh, so I was faced with a choice, you know, what, taking a look at how I was living. Would I continue to chase fantasies or would I really accept God's way of doing things and start to make more choices and pursue opportunities that would be in line with uh, his way of doing things? And of course, God's way of doing things is usually requires a lot more hard work, patience, uh, faith, and uh, just willingness to sacrifice. God has been using life and his word to reshape my perspective and change the things that I value. As I've gradually started to make choices that better reflect his way of working in life, um, you know, sometimes by choosing opportunities that might require more faith or more hard work and sacrifice in order to pursue them, um, I found that life has actually been going much more smoothly. And, you know, funny enough, I've actually been making more progress towards those original goals that I had in the first place. So, uh, just really as I've been willing to 
more and more cooperate with God, I've been able to be a much better steward of the specific opportunities that God's given me. I appreciate how Ian described that. It's really this, this picture of reality and how we hope life can work and sometimes how life is and how it does work. And what Ian's describing is, you know, I have a picture. This is kind of the, the way I'm going to go with my work. It's going to be doing exactly what I want to do and the way I want to do it. And then experiencing, wait a second, I just need to work hard no matter what. And I need to be faithful with what I've been given. And I can't just chase this ideal because I have things right now that I have to be responsible for. That's walking with God. That's keeping in step with what's happening in life. And whatever you're facing right now, where the pressure is, the things that you've identified, that you kind of know that there's some things going on that need to change, we have that choice. Do I give in to the prodigal in all of us, this independence, this desire to get everything we want out of the situation, or do we surrender to God? And each of us has to decide. And walking in the Spirit begins when you bury the seed. That's crucifying that, that independence, crucifying the fact that you want to change yourself or you want to change your circumstances. You have to bury the seed. You have to put it in the ground. And in the soil, the soil is God's way, how He works. And as you bury that in God and realize that I want what I want, but I know that that doesn't get me the life that you've given. When you bury the seed and you confess that you don't want to go your own way and do it the way that makes sense to you, the way that pleases yourself, God used the soil to allow good things to grow. And what grows is much more beautiful and abundant than the prodigal way in all of us. And that's how God works, and that's His promise to us. So you have, to, you have to bury the seed, and then you have to mix in the right ingredients. This is really us cooperating with God. We bury the seed, and then we mix in the right ingredients. And those right ingredients are daily choosing the same things that we just looked at. I need to wake up, I need to own up, and I need to shift weight. So what are the things in each of us that represent that prodigal way of doing things? Like at work, when you're under stress, is there a default mode that you go to where, you know, you cut people off and you relate to them coldly because you're stressed out and you just try to do things by yourself and you're independent? That may be the prodigal way. Or maybe with your kids. You have a lot on your plate and they just do something and your patience runs out and you just decide, I'm going to relate to them. Like they should know better, but they don't know better. I'm going to just relate to them and coldly and the tension builds. That's the prodigal way in us. Or if you're a student, you have certain deadlines and you have certain things that you have to do. But the prodigal in you is thinking, how can I do this the easy way without working hard? How can I do this maybe even a way that's not right and cheat and kind of do whatever I can do to get me the goal I need? That's the prodigal way. In our finances, we don't think God's given us enough. And so in our hearts, we're bitter. We complain. That's the prodigal way. In each of us, there's that prodigal, which is the sinful nature. Today, Jesus has given us the opportunity where we can bury that and give that over to God.
If you've never done that before, I invite you this morning to make a choice. If you've never decided to bury the seed and to live life God's way, you can do that. You can decide that you don't want this inheritance and this independence to be all that your life is. So today you can decide to do that. Or maybe you are a follower of Christ and you realize that there's just certain areas that, you know what? You've been trying to live like the prodigal. You've been trying to enjoy things independent of God. And you don't want Him to look into this one area. Today you can decide to bury the seed. And you mix in the right ingredients. You own up. You wake up. And you shift your weight to Him. And that's where the change comes. So as I wrap up, I want to just take that into some next steps that you can apply today. And again, it all starts by the decision that we make, whether we're going to live life independently or actually turn to the one that can help us. So the first thing is maybe you want to memorize Galatians 5.25. On the back of your connection card, why don't all of you guys pull that out and you can mark a next step today. As the band comes up, we're going to be receiving our offering and you can drop that in there. But that first one is maybe you just need to remember, okay, I, I need to crucify sinful nature and I need to keep in step with the Spirit. So you might need to memorize that today just as a reminder. Second thing is for the first time, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ as boss. This is for those people that have never done that before. It's a one-time decision to change direction to take away this independent, prodigal way and go God's way. If you've never done that before, you can mark that and we'll provide you with what that means and we'll help you learn how to change paths and how to repent and turn to God. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that. The third is, identify one area that I need to work through the change process. I don't know if you see that on there. Okay, sorry, different one. Identify the key ingredient... I tend to leave out of my attempts to change. So, is there something, just that area where the pressure is, where the tension is, where the heat is, and you realize that you're, you're just trying to do it yourself? And maybe you need to wake up, or you need to own up, or you need to shift weight. Decide what area that is, and circle the thing that you need to do. You realize that you're just not owning up. You're not really confessing to God that you've been trying to do it alone. And so maybe you need to do that today. So I invite you, take one of those steps... And join with me as we look to God who can and will change us. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for that story that Jesus shared. And that was a long time ago, but it still resonates with us today because we realize that we need help. We need compassion. And... You didn't have to give us compassion. You actually didn't even need to give us help. But you do have compassion on us. You want to help us. You want to change us. And you want all of us. You don't just want to change a circumstance. You don't just want to change a behavior. You actually want to change the destiny of our life. And God, I thank you that in you, the things that we hope for at the deepest level, we can find. We can find our identity. We can find our purpose. We can find our hope. God, forgive us for, bring, for being prodigals. I know that each day I, when I try to do things by myself, I'm trying to leave you out. 
Forgive me, God. And forgive us as we do that. God, help us to identify any areas where we're trying to live independently of you. And today, God, give us the strength to turn it over and to begin to do it in your way. So we ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.